need an Advil. Maybe a second chance. Hey! Welcome to Stargate Second Chances, a walking through Stargate podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this is episode eight, where we'll be talking about the season three episode, Forever in a Day. Yeah. Yeah. So this mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, made possible due to the wonderful votes of our Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you all of you who voted for this episode and who didn't yes. vote for this episode and support the show. We thank you very much for that. Yep. Um, shall we just dig into it, Brent? Yeah. Might as okay. well. Let's all do right. it. So, just a real quick, this is a, an episode that was directed by Peter DeLuise. The teleplay is by Jonathan Glasner. Uh, as you recall, he is one of the co-creators of the show. Um, and then after about the third season, he decided to depart. The original air date for this episode was October 8, 1999. Mm-hmm. So we were still in the 20th century. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um the IMDb rating for this episode is 7.4, and we reviewed this episode way back in 2019. Wow. BC, right, before COVID. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and on October Simpler 29 times. is yeah. when uh, we uh, recorded our episode and released it to the public. Mm-hmm. Almost, almost two and a half years, years ago. Yeah, Jeez, almost Louise. 20 years exactly from when it... Uh, episode aired so there you mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. um gosh that is oh two 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 and a half years ago no yep oh, oh. <laughs> it took me a while to kind of process that bread thank you very much for that uh, we were young then oh yeah mm-hmm. young you you were still in your 30s i was still in my 30s that's right <laughs> I, I, I was not <laughs> okay brent um Tell me about this episode. What is this episode about? Sure, yeah. So this is the one <clears throat> where Daniel lives a bunch of days in just a few seconds. And uh, little by little, we are given information about the boy, the progeny of Tuguawuld, the one who contains all of the genetic memory of the Guawuld, the Harsesis. Oh, boy. And, uh, but uh, to get through that, to get to that understanding, we had to go through an emotional ringer. Uh, we were probably in this episode given the most believable emotional journey for Daniel Jackson in regards to his kidnapped wife. Uh, it, it, it had seemed a little bit forced, at least to me up until this point, it was obviously a plot point, but there was just something about it that never really kind of jammed with it or just seemed a little bit forced but this one man what a journey did we have here mm-hmm. uh right it starts off the team is under attack wait there's Sharae. blam 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 and into the tent daniel goes with after you know some gunfire and some blast bolt you know it every the, the whole team's getting ambushed uh by a lot of jaffa and Indeed. there's like what like eight um <laughs> air force people that are like holding them back it was pretty intense um but daniel goes into the tent and uh Wait, is that a euphemism? We're not okay. Anyway, uh, in there, Eminette oh! is there, right? And right, uh, she uses her ribbon device to kill Daniel. Oh no! Yeah, Teal pops in to save the day, and then Daniel wakes up. He's in the infirmary, but thus begins the several awakenings of Doctor Daniel Jackson. Oh, that sounds like the prelude to a movie or something. Yeah, well, I mean, we we stagger through his confusing perspective. Which was good. It was confusing because he was confused as he gains and then loses, then gains, then 
loses, then gains, then loses, then gains, then loses, then loses, then gains, then loses, then gains, then loses, then sneaks and gains, and almost loses, then finally actually loses his wife. There was a lot of gaining and losing in this one. But through it all, we have the absolutely outstanding acting of Michael Shanks and the rest of the SG-1 cast to carry us through. Amanda Tapping and Christopher Judge both did phenomenal jobs. RDA had his kind of his swagger and it, it he broke it down there towards the middle end, but it, it, it but Michael Shanks is acting, Amanda Tapping's acting and uh, Christopher Judge's acting were just phenomenal. Uh, and woven into this was also the tale of Daniel's forgiveness of Teal'c, who had to kill Sharae under du- under duress. Mm-hmm. Here was this central uh, driving motivator for one of our our star cast members, and you know we're essentially putting an end to it right here. And uh, it's uh, Teal'c who does the deed, and Daniel does not forgive him, and so we have to go through this process with Daniel understanding that it was the right thing to do. Uh, and after all of this emotional journey, uh, it's Teal'c at the end who says it best, right? Uh, Daniel Jackson will be all right. Um, it's, it was, it was heartbreaking and it was very touching. Uh, and boy, was it something that moved the characters forward, but there we go. We had a, we had a, we had an episode, of flashback forward halfness reality not reality all inside his head not in his head there's a whole lot in there and it was confusing but it was brilliantly connected and we have a story here where now we have the end of the Charay arc and uh the opening of the door for daniel to be finding the harcesis yeah so there you go there that you was go. uh that was the episode cool so brent mm-hmm. now that you've watched this episode for a second time and you've now uh, this is the third season episode. We are currently watching the middle of the seventh season. Yeah. So there's been quite a bit. Of, there's been as much story after this as there was before this now. Mm-hmm. Relative to where we are, even. Um, what do you think of this one on second watching? So part of me, I mean, there's a piece of me that thinks that I'm missing something here now in the middle of the seventh season. Um, the Harcesis was important there for a little bit, and... Uh, we haven't really seen much of that story arc in quite a while. Um, I remember that we found the boy with Oma Dasala, right? I think so. And, or, and the boy is now protected because Oma took him, if I remember right. And that was a little while ago. And Daniel has done an awful lot of movement since then, right? right. Including not being there for a whole season uh, and now being back. So maybe this Harcesis thing is going to start coming back here, perhaps, but it definitely feels like it has hit the back burner, so, which is a bit uh, of a... Just, just want to point out that um, there is an episode, I think it's Absolute Power, um, which is another uh, flashback type of episode. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the end result of that is that uh, Shifu uh, dies and ascends. Right. And when Shifu ascends, now the Harcesis story is kind of over because right. now I you don't have about a boy that. that has 
yes the, the yes stuff in his head anymore yeah 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 so right so he that was the one where where the where the kid is the kid the kid guy is is talking about like you know making all these sayings about candles and such and and uh o'neill tries to keep up and right yeah uh gotcha i for, i completely forgot about that where the harcisa story is done yep so, so we think um yeah, we definitely kind of <laughs> we kind of put a bow on that one. But this is where the Harcisa story starts, right? And I can tell that they were trying to get something they they needed to they wanted to move Daniel away from motive, being motivated by finding his kidnapped wife and now being motivated by something else. And uh while I think that the story had to be told like this because they got themselves into something of a pickle where uh, in season one, episode one, when Sharae is stolen, uh, the clear motivator for why Daniel Jackson comes back to the SGC is to look for his wife. And uh, I think, yeah. And, and, and O'Neill's motivation was to look for Skara. And I remember when we went back over uh, Children of the Gods that it 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 made sense to a small degree. It certainly was tying in aspects of the movie into the television show and giving a motivation for why these characters should should now spend you know twenty four episodes worth of television time with the SGC. Mm-hmm. But even then, it felt a little bit it it felt a little tenuous even then and so this is a moment where they are deciding you know what you're right that was a little bit tenuous let's wrap this thing up uh we want to tell different stories we want to go someplace else so let's wrap up the charay story and so they but the the corner that they painted themselves in was that from my point of view daniel jackson's emotional reactions to exploring the galaxy quickly seemed to shift from finding his wife to exploring the galaxy um you know yeah i'm thinking of all those great episodes that i liked from seasons one and two they had an awful lot of do an awful lot to do with with the exploration aspect right the torment of tantalus was i think one of the first times that we saw jackson like dive into holy cow there's so much to know out there this is so good um and that's fine i love that but they did have this loose end out there of, oh, wait a minute. I thought he was singularly driven to go find his wife. And every time we brought it back, it felt a little bit corny. So this one um, certainly was running the risk of having the same level of corniness, but it was, boy, was it the acting and the direction. Um, but uh, but the actors, I think, were given, especially Michael Shanks, was given the runway to convey through acting an emotional journey that did a darn good job wrapping up those loose ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I'm willing to buy that, though. At a meta level, I stand by the the gist of Michael Shanks portraying Daniel Jackson, motivated by finding Sharae through all these episodes, always felt a little bit flimsy and a bit corny. But this episode did such a good enough job to make me say, you know what? Even though I don't think that I misread those moments i'm gonna hand him a bone and say i misread those moments clearly daniel jackson was emotionally motivated to find his wife and you can see it written all over his face when he loses his wife and then gains and then loses and then gains and then lose like it like that one 
I'm a little bit surprised that uh, that Jackson didn't actually like crumble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that would be absolutely terrible um, to 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 have her and then lose her and then have her and then lose her. Uh, but it it did a good job, and then of course it moved the meta story forward. Granted, in a direction that didn't seem to go very far in and of itself, but also, man, in the development of these characters, right? So like Jackson's relationship with Teal'c. Um, Jackson's relationship with O'Neill, Jackson's relationship with Carter, uh, these were all on prime display in this episode. And uh, it, it was it was heartwarming and tragic and um, beautiful. And uh, I, I literally, because it was two and a half years ago, cannot recall what I thought of this episode the first time that I watched it. But this time around, I was far less interested in the story, capital S, for the show mm-hmm. and much more interested in watching uh, watching this story of heartbreak unfold. Right. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. I really, really enjoyed watching it the second time. So what about you? What'd you think about this of natural 1700 so, um, times watching? Several things kind of popped into my head um, as I was rewatching it. Uh, one, I was realizing that this is probably possibly even the first time I've seen this episode on its own. Mm. So, I mean, you know, and I've said this many times, typically when I rewatch the show, I just start at episode one and I go to episode, you know, 250 or whatever it is. um, And I just plow through. And so, you know, this episode has always been watched as... uh, the one that's in the middle of season three, roughly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the first time, I think, that I've seen it outside of that context. Mm-hmm. So, you know, while I could go back and look at the episode titles of what, you know, before and after this episode, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what was happening leading up to this episode and following it and all that stuff. Um, I really didn't do that this time. And so it's just, you know, while I recognize this is in the middle of season three, I was just watching this episode for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um. And that gave me uh, a different perspective. And I think kind of like you, um, I-, I got invested in the story that this episode was telling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I let go, basically, uh, the meta story of how this fits into the larger picture of mm-hmm. SG-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gave me new uh, a-, a new lens to look at it. Um I was also noticing that um, it was really well acted and well directed. Um, you know, I mean, like that 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 fight scene at the beginning as it first starts and all of this. Oh yeah, that was actually really intense. Yes, it was. Yes, um, and and you know, I felt peril. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he, <laughs> yes, you know? and and I know all of my friends. You know, all of the my my you know SG one. They're going to survive. It's going to be fine. You know, nobody is going to die that I actually care about, except for perhaps Shari. But um, you know, so but all of us, and also I was also noticing that the tent, like at the beginning, they see the tent from basically the view of that cage, right? Looking yes. that way, mm-hmm. and then once uh, Daniel enters that tent, uh, we only ever see the tent. From the other angle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and I just thought that was just a really fascinating little little tiny bit of, of saying 
something is different here. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was uh, really, really well done. Uh, Peter DeLuise is one of these guys that just boggles my mind. He is a grade A goofball. Mm-hmm. And when I listen to his commentaries on the various episodes, uh, I always cringe with like 90% of what comes out of his mouth because it's <laughs> it's locker room talk. Oh, gotcha. Um, oh, boy. And, yeah. And, and locker room talk is just not good. It's cringy. It, it's cringy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when you when you add these two together, uh, and and so here's the thing: it's like when you listen to him talk, the persona he creates is this goofball who likes to, you know, um, you know, affectionately steal uh, ideas and shots and all of this stuff from other people in other movies. And you know, mm-hmm. if, if there is one guy, uh, one director in SG One who especially likes to give homages in the way things are done, it's Peter DeLuise. Mm-hmm. And yet, despite that goofball persona he has, you get these little tiny tidbits like this that really show that he's good at his craft. Oh, yeah. Um, which is is great. And then, of course, you know, you've got uh, the acting in this episode... And the story is actually when you just take when you don't think about where it fits in anything. Yes, else, just watch this. And I just watched the story. Um, you know, we go from severe tension to oh, hey, look, Daniel is dealing with Amina, and this is, you know, the first time he's had to been he's been face to face with her, uh, really since she gave birth to the child in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of actually meeting Sharae until the very end and all of his stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, so then you get this tension and, and then it, it brings us into the story, which walks us through this whole process. Um, it was really good. Um, another thing I noticed is that uh, uh, Richard Dean Anderson, as the series progresses and as we get into things like season seven... Mm-hmm. ratchets up the snark to 15. Mm, mm-hmm. We're not even at 11 anymore. We, we go to 15 <laughs> with that snark, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And I was just thinking as I was watching this episode, you still get some of that snark, but it's a little bit toned down a little bit, you know? Yes. And and I was actually thinking, you know, I kind of think I like O'Neill with just a, just a smidge less snark. Oh yeah. Um, I, oh I, no, I, I'm 100 percent on board with that one for sure. But that's yeah. that's me. I you know like yeah. I I I think that snark for the snake of snark snark is is covering for something. Um, you know, and so I just don't like it that much. But yeah, and and I I suspect that what's happening is you know as the series progresses, especially in this season seven that we're at right now, uh, is that uh, RDA is adding more and more of himself into this character. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, such that, like, we just watched the episode uh, Birthright, right? And he mm-hmm. makes some some snarky comments as as they're heading into the, the camp of the, uh, the women Jaffa, and I can't remember the name of their camp off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he says something like, he's all for helping out. Helping the people, yeah. Helping people, um, which is... 
clearly a sexual reference to things. Of course. And then you hear Amanda tapping go, oh, God. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> and and, and yes. it fits because, you know, frankly, Carter would have said the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. Um, But, you know, we get that coming out. And I actually, I think I prefer uh, the, uh, just a slightly less snark in my O'Neill. Um, and we get that in this episode. So there you go. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm definitely okay with watching Richard Dean Anderson in Stargate Command, right? Right. right? It's not quite Jack O'Neill as much anymore. It's certainly not Kurt Russell's Jack O'Neill at all. And uh, watching RDA be himself is fun. I am still there with you. I like a little less snarky O'Neill and I'm willing to watch RDA play around, but it is at least in season seven. It definitely feels like there's Stargate command. There is the SG one team, but it doesn't have O'Neill anymore. It feels like RDA is around and he's fun and it's enjoyable and the characters interplay with Richard Dean Anderson, but I don't know if I see the characters interchange with Jack O'Neill so much anymore. You know, um, and I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, and of course, when you talk about season seven, one of the key things is that Richard Dean Anderson's schedule yes, um, yeah. uh, keeps him away from Vancouver much more than in previous seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they work around that schedule. We see actually a little bit less of him than in previous seasons yeah, uh, because of that. And my sense in a meta uh, experience is that, uh, you know, Richard Dean Anderson does what Richard Dean Anderson does. And then he comes to Vancouver and he shoots some stuff and, um, he spends enough time away from the character that he doesn't quite dive into the character in the same way. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's familiar with O'Neill. And so he just kind of steps into that, but he doesn't quite, uh, he doesn't quite dive into it in the same way as in earlier seasons. Oh, hundred percent. And I don't, I really don't fault him for that. Not really. Um, I, I am with you. I I like this version of Jack O'Neill more than season seven version of Jack O'Neill, but it's not like a dislike like season seven's Jack O'Neill at all. Right. And yeah, yeah, it makes total sense that, you know, RDA is probably not taking a whole lot of direction right now. And he's popping in. He's playing his character. He's playing his character as he wants to play him. It works. The, st the, the cast is so well gelled that they're able to play off of that without any real effort. Like it, the, the, it everything is consistent. And off RDA goes, and the SG, the Stargate, um, Stargate SG1 team, the big team, the cast, crew, writers, producers, etc., they continue on their journey of telling Stargate stories. Like I don't know, I'm, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not saying any of this to critique or say that uh, you know things are bad in seventh season. No, no, things are great. It's just different. It's just different. And watching this episode now. In that really just kind of highlighted some of those differences there. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So as I watched this episode, um, I, I found myself invested in this story yeah. and investing where it was going. And of course, I, I know the story well enough that, you know, the, the steps didn't surprise me. But, um, but, you know, it was just, 
I, I, yeah, I was investing. It was just, it worked. Um, and, it, and it sung. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this this time around. I part as as we're talking about this one, I'm kind of real the the you'd have to retool an awful lot, but but this story feels like and it would never would have worked, but this story feels like it would have been a much more solid series opener than a middle of season three story and a wrap up. Um and the reason why, and again, you could never have this happen because um, the actors would be able to act the heck out of their parts for sure. But there is definitely uh, chemistry that you can see with the actors and each other with their characters and their characters engagement with each other um, that would not have been able to be done in season one. But as far as the story is concerned, and the motivation for why Daniel Jackson joins the SGC, even though it feels like it's a bit um, counterintuitive that a story wrapping up Daniel Jackson's relationship with Sharae would be something to propel the series. I think that it actually liberates the character of Daniel Jackson in a way that befits the, the show way more than the uh, singular motivation of exploring the universe to find his wife. Uh, I get why they did it. I understand why they did it. It was a natural progression of the movie story and created a ready-made motivator for 24 stories of why Daniel Jackson is going around the universe. Um, but in this moment, I felt like the tragedy of losing his wife was much more um, palatable than back in season one. Palatable is the wrong word. Um, it's slightly the right word in so much as like it, it, it felt much more believable. Right. And to the point of that, I'm willing to look past the, the slights of that relationship that I thought I saw in previous episodes. And so as a result, part of me kind of wants this story to take place earlier in the series, because then it then makes uh, Daniel's uh, attitude in non Share episodes make more sense um, that you would still have to deal with maybe the grief of loss, et cetera. But now he can be the curious explorer because he doesn't have that tie to Abydos that he once had. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I agree with some of what you said. And I'm not sure I agree mm -hmm. with all of it. I, I don't mm -hmm. think that this episode would have worked uh, significantly earlier than when it fell. Uh, if you'd put this episode in the middle of season one or put this even at the beginning of season two, um, it, I, I don't think it would have worked as well. Uh, not because the actors couldn't, you know, just in the storyline. Like, if, I mean, you know... Let's take as a given that Children of the Gods happens and they create that the motivation for Daniel Jackson to join the team and to go through the gate is to find his wife. Mm -hmm. Take that as a given. Um, um, if, if that's his motivation, um, if this episode had fallen in the middle of season one or early in season two, I'm not convinced there would have been enough story to get him past this my big point was 
really being a revisionist on this one, which was saying, imagine that instead of Children of the Gods, imagine if Stargate SG-1, the series, opens with um, the gate dialing up because Abydos dials Earth, because um, Apophis raided the planet and kidnapped Daniel Jackson's wife. And now we are propelling that story forward quickly and now it's earth you know wanting to help out uh you know uh, uh, you know do we really help out this uh this archaeologist wait a minute i thought the gate was buried oh you unburied it i thought the planet was blah 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 you can still have a lot of that stuff and then no we actually don't care because earth is not in direct threat but you have to care because blah 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 no we actually don't and then you can have apophis come to earth right somehow he figures that part out now it's a threat now we go out and 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 if you if you significantly advance that concept, mm, mm-hmm. which you don't, you don't, we didn't. That's okay. But I, I, you know, if if that concept were aggressively advanced, so that you know, mid season one, so at some point you got to have the Harcesis being born. Maybe because the kid grows up super fast, you can have like you know, it, it only takes six weeks for the kid to be born or something. Um, and and then you and then you create the severing. Right, you 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 create this story where uh, Amonette is killed, takes Sharae with her. Sharae does manage to communicate a message to Daniel Jackson, and then we watch Daniel Jackson go through this emotional ringer uh, of loss. And now you have stories like Torment of Tantalus. You have stories like. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other good ones. I'm thinking of plenty bad ones, um, but <laughs> right. Sure. And, and, okay. and again, like this is me being as a, as I said, hindsight is 2020. And yeah, if if that were the the way that the series was set up, I think that it would have been stronger than how it was set up. But come on, how many how many television shows that don't know if they're even going to get a season two have that kind of foresight and chemistry? Right. They don't. That's unrealistic of me to say. So at another level, yeah, this story hit exactly when it should have. And it was precisely when the actors were able to tell this story in a way that was just great. What what my takeaway from this episode, watching it out of context, Mm -hmm. as we did today, uh, is, gosh, I wish that they had done better prior to this episode to make me believe that he cared about his wife. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you watch this episode, um, and he sees Sharae, and he's immediately drawn in the middle of a battlefield for crying yes. out loud to the mm-hmm. tent, and he experiences this with her and Aminette's there, and and then he goes through this whole process in his head while she explains you got to go find the boy, and it's just this touching, and admittedly the funeral is in his head technically, but. You know, I mean, all of this is happening, and you get this really strong emotional connection. And at the very end of it, you get, you know, Teal's words, Daniel Jackson is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this whole episode, I really believe that he has been searching for his wife. He's been looking for her. This has been his focus every time he goes through that gate. Uh, this episode makes me believe it. Mm-hmm. And when I pull it out of context, I'm I'm right there with me, with you. And then I remember all of the other episodes that talk <laughs> about Sharae between Children of the Gods and this one, and like it, it feels stilted. And so what this episode watching at this point uh, 
makes me wish is that they had done a better job of making me believe for two and a half years yeah. that Daniel was actually seeking out his wife and not other things. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that other things couldn't have been part of it, but, you know, uh, it's just, yeah, that's what this episode makes me uh, go for. And I'm realizing that I am kind of forgetting a major part of why this episode works so well, and it can't happen without time. And that was the mid part where, where Jackson resigns. Like there was a whole, I don't know, third, not quite quarter of the story devoted to, uh, Jackson leaving the program and some goodbyes, including, a, a a very cold goodbye between Jackson and Teal. Mm-hmm. Um, like that couldn't happen midway through season one. Yeah, it would be completely unbelievable if that happened in midway through season one. Um, I still like the notion that the meta story of this episode I think would fit better earlier in the series, but you can't the the emotional payout um would not be anywhere close to where it was today. Right. Uh you know, with, with this episode being where it is right now. So, okay. so I, take um, I do have, uh, I invited people on Facebook to tell us their thoughts about this episode, and we did get mm-hmm. one response from Susan. Hi, Susan. Uh, Susan says, I voted for a Second Chances rewatch because Forever in a Day is a favorite episode of mine, which mm. resolves the multi-season arc of Daniel's quest to save Sharae. It is also important in respect to building Daniel and Teal'c's relationship beyond just being colleagues. Mm-hmm. Also, in light of the much higher Chevron ratings you gave episodes Absolute Power and The Changeling, I think you guys really need to revisit this similarly structured <laughs> and filmed dream-slash-reality episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, Susan... Uh, thank you very much for uh, voting for this episode. Thanks for mm-hmm. uh, pushing us to rewatch it. Uh, Brent, I do want to uh, reveal some of our comments from uh, our previous episode. Yeah. But before I, I, I do I that, worry. I want to know yeah. how many chevrons are you going to give it this time around? Yeah. Okay. So, um, man, I really like watching this one this time. Um, to the point of that, I completely retconned any kind of quibbling that I had about uh, Jackson's motivation to find Charay within the first few seasons. Um, You know, this one was believable uh, and well done and interesting. Um, I'm going to give it a six. Um, I, I, there's a part of me that wants to give it a seven, but there's just enough knowledge about, the meta story, both before this episode and after this episode, that makes me go, actually, it wasn't quite as powerfully impactful as some other of the Stargate stories that we've seen so far. But yeah, I really did enjoy it this time. Uh, I, yeah, six out of seven for me. What about you? Uh, you know, I'm going to straight up agree with you. Um, this time around, it, it was it was a six. It was well-directed, well-acted. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode made me uh, believe what was going on. Uh, I followed it. it. It it worked for me. It had that emotional punch that it was needing to have, wanted to have. Uh, it worked for me. Um, and one of the things that this has done is helped me, I think, see that my issues in the past, and I haven't actually read what our notes are from previous 
Uh, but I think most of my episode, my issues with this episode stem from uh, things that aren't in this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, with that, Brent, when we first recorded this episode and talked about it on October 20, 2019, yeah. you gave it two Whoa. out of seven chevrons. Wow. I hated it? Pretty much. This is what you have Whoa. to say. Okay. Storytelling is convoluted, not clever, dissatisfying <laughs> ending, maybe should have been more focused on Daniel Teal'c and not Daniel and Charay. Strange pacing. And here's a quote. Yeah. yeah. Technically nothing wrong with the episode, but you screwed up or missed the... Uh, I can't read what Julie wrote there. <laughs> The in oh and or missed the interesting story. That's what it is. Oh yeah, huh? Wow. I I I think I think that back then I was taking the Charay story as a whole, and this was the end of the Charay story, and I hated the Charay story. Yeah. And so you know when I think about the character of Charay, even this episode doesn't do a whole lot to advance her at all, and so. If I'm thinking about the Charay story, then this is meh. Um, but I've shifted my focus. This is the Dan- and I think I was Im- implying that that the more interesting story was the Daniel Teal story. I've since changed my tune that this story basically saves the Daniel Charay story right. and does it really well. So me, I mm-hmm. gave this uh, episode two and a half chevrons Woof. out of seven. Uh huh. Um, like the, you know, I, I like the sufficiently satisfying conclusion of the Share story, uh, a good funeral and apologizing scenes, uh, but it was all a dream. So it's mostly a reset episode. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I do recall that idea that, you know, I mean, I, I have generally been, uh, not fair, and I think this brings up uh, some of Susan's remarks. Uh, I I can be harsh on episodes that you go through forty five minutes of television and things end in exactly the same spaces where they begin. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be harsh on that, um, but uh, and I, I clearly I was back in <laughs> two thousand nineteen. Here's a quote from me: Any individual scene here is quite good. But when you string all these together, I don't think they tell the right story, and it's confusing what they do tell. And so, I think it was confusing on purpose. Now, at the time, I wasn't wanting confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want confusing. I wanted to just tell it to me straight. Um, but, uh, you know, this was a confusing experience for Daniel, and we, we, we lived it with him. Yeah, yeah. So, um, quite a change in this. Quite the change, twos indeed. And sixes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I guess that's it. I mean, uh, unless you have anything more to add or share. Um, I like this episode way better this time, clearly, than the first time I watched it. Um, I followed it better. It, it sat with me better. Um, I appreciated it better. Um. It kind of makes me wonder how many, how many television stories out there 
are wrongly bolstered or panned as a because of its proximity. I'm thinking of like Firefly about how when broadcast, I didn't see it when broadcast, um, but everyone who is a sci-fi nerd knows that Fox screwed it up and aired the episodes all out of order. And right. And, and as a result, the, the story was difficult to follow and you couldn't build the kind of, you know, like the, the relationship building that takes place during that season then ends up completely broken apart. And of course, and you change your time slots and, you know, you, you do everything in your power to, to, to have nobody watch it. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. uh, therefore nobody watches it. And if the number of viewers is your single metric for how good a thing is, well, then it's a disaster. And then when given the chance to be, telling its own story, it's a lot of fun and it does a really, really, really good job. And I'm wondering now how just how in general, how many Stargate episodes have we seen where because of its placement within the story, uh, it either artificially gains a benefit or artificially gains a um detraction because of where it's at around it. And yeah. You know, like no, no, no use crying over spilt milk too much because, you know, it is what it is. This project is what this project is. We're not watching these episodes out of order and purely on their own metrics. We're watching it as a complete thing. Um, But this is a really interesting little side project where we pull this episode out. And we have we, we know things. So therefore, the, the the stuff that we get told in this episode is not just completely fresh new information. Like we're able to understand it's relationship but we're able to examine it singularly right uh yeah and with fresh eyes that that's really interesting uh, i would agree um and that's you know here again this is one of the things that you know i love what we're doing with walking through the stargate and mm-hmm. and i don't think that we could do that any other way um i mean you know you can format it differently but basically just watch sure. it so talk about it um mm-hmm. but i also love this uh, Patreon project here of Second Chances. Uh, I really, uh, I'm discovering, now we've done eight of these things and we've got a couple more to do. Um, mm-hmm. I am really appreciating this uh, going back and just taking a single episode and watching it and thinking about it on its own, in its mm-hmm. own space, um, which uh, I, I, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm I, yeah, it gives this is a, this is delightful. It yep. gives a, a, a fresh perspective and a fresh way of experiencing the show, uh, which especially for somebody like me who has seen all of these episodes many, many times is mm-hmm. a way to see the show that I haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I've always watched this show from a to Z. I start mm-hmm. at the beginning, I work my way through. Sometimes I don't get all the way to Z, and then I wait a little while, and then, then I have to start over at A again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, Too but, long. But I don't just, <laughs> rarely, rarely do I just pop in uh, any old episode, and I don't watch TV in the traditional 1980s and 90s way of right. flipping through channels. I'm like, oh, hey, something's on. Let's watch it, whatever it is. I don't watch TV like that anymore. Mm-hmm. So... Well, good stuff. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much, Patreon supporters, for voting yeah, for this episode. Thank you. Thanks for bringing this uh, to us. Um, I hope you appreciate this. Uh, if uh, when this gets to the regular audience, if you want to be a Patreon supporter, please do. Uh, you can do that at walking through the st- patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can email us at walking through the Stargate at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, the discords, the website, all of that fun stuff. Yep. It's all there. Uh, And with that, I say I'm Zach. 
And I'm Brent. And this has been Stargate Second Chances, a Walking Through the Stargate podcast. See you next time. Bye. Bye.